I thought that yesterday was a wonderful event. Um, it was fun. We weren't pressured. It was, uh, thank you for all the food that you brought. I enjoyed some of it tonight. <laughs> and uh, we, we really appreciate uh, just a great fellowship that was going on there and just a great time. And I, I felt like that was well worth doing, that event. It was great to have Lexi and Judy come. I was thrilled over that. And, and Jim uh, came with Scott. It was great to meet him. Trying to figure out how we're going to lure him to move to Oklahoma. <clears throat> Seems like a really awesome man. But I want to just say, say thank you to... Yeah, yes. Um, I want to say Peyton. Is that right? Yeah. That was unbelievable. That made my day. And I... That she would come in there. Uh, I, I appreciate that so much. And um, it just made me think that maybe we could get her involved in other things once in a while. That would be really good. Uh, is, she, is she married? Sure. No. Yeah. Um. <laughs> just call me Dr. Kevin. <laughs> just joking. Wait till you see my title tonight. You're gonna think, you're gonna think that this is marriage counseling 101 tonight, but it really isn't. <coughs> well, our motto has always been we don't have a lot of money, but we have a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm glad to be a part of the kingdom of God, and that it really does involve and include us being able to have enjoyment along the way, and I appreciate that. Uh, so, any prayer requests tonight that we need to make? Yes. Renee, if we can get over there and pray with her again. I, I felt like she was comfortable with me being there. I, if you want me to, I can go by Regency Lane like. Uh, if you saw it as an opportunity, I would maybe I'll get her address from you again just to make sure I get the right one. All right. <clears throat> Who else? Yes. All right. We're still rejoicing over Betty. God is touching her. She looks so good. Amen. Uh, so good to see Dwayne here. And uh, Lee looked great today, and I'm Encouraged for them that the Lord is helping them. Amen. Anyone else for Scott? Anyone? Yeah, let's, let's pray for Jim. If yes. If he doesn't go back to Colorado by the weekend, he said he would probably come to study school. Okay. We we dearly enjoyed having him. He was very easy to get along with. Praise Lord. Well, why don't we stand and uh, we'll just take a few minutes of prayer. Let's open with a thanks to the Lord. And um, we, there are too many scriptures to talk about how that we need to praise him. I, I kind of liked our sign. I kind of, I enjoyed it. What Susie put there, uh, America, bless God. Uh, we, we, as human beings, um, need to bless our God. Amen. It's not just what we get tonight. It's what we've come to give him tonight. Amen. So let's worship him. And then let's pray. Lord, thank you for every part of every life. Oh, I will bless the Lord, oh, my soul. 
Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody. Living for God is fun. It's fun. Had fun yesterday. With our church family. Good times. Jacob said his arm was sore from throwing a bean bag. That's sad. That's a sad deal. But we had a good time. It's fun living for God. Brother Isaac, let's all stand and we'll get into this service. God's been good. He's been good to me. His mercies are new every day. I'm thankful for that. Serve a good God. Praise the Lord. Let's all just sing, dance, shout. You can run around in circles if you want. If you want to worship God, rejoice. We're going to rejoice because we're redeemed. We're a child of God. He loves us very much. Praise the Lord, Brother Isaac. We have come to this
may be seated. What a wonderful presence of God. The God of peace. wonder if somebody's got a testimony they might want to share with us before we turn this over to Brother Erickson. Anybody? God's been good to me. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Yes, praise the Lord. Yes, he's a, a God that heals, restores, and redeems. Love them to God. Brother Erickson, your time. Looking forward to tonight's lesson. Appreciate you. We have an incredible young man here. I am awed and amazed that Isaac, when he needed to, he put the beanbag in the hole. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times he canceled us out. Uh, John, get a good shot, and along come Isaac, and follow him with a, and, and yet, and others, he could throw four, four of them and never hit the board. Uh, it all falls short, and then all of a sudden, uh, John get one in the hole, and, and man, here comes Isaac. And remarkable, his uh, ability to not make his dad look bad, just keep him under control. I, that's what I saw that as, you know, that he knew how to uh, uh, kind of keep things under control. Amen. Very, very amazing. Well, I have, um, so let's see. Starting with, I'm going to read about five, six verses tonight in a row. And they're all up on the screen, okay? And um, just some verses to consider that go along with where I'm going tonight. And then we'll, and then we'll talk about uh, the title's going to look like, uh, you know, again, this is some kind of a man trying to teach you about what has to happen in the home, you know. But it, it really isn't, so, be, so just be aware. Okay, John chapter 12, verse number 31. Y'all want to stand for this? I'll, this is a great, a great Bible study, uh, but as long as I don't mess it up, it's going to be really good. Amen. Now, when? Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. That's Jesus speaking, isn't it? Okay, John 14 and 30. Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. And 1 Timothy 3, 6 and 7. Not a novice, Thus being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Proverbs 16 and 18, pride goeth before destruction 
and a haughty spirit before a fall. And lastly, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And so, where's my title? Brandon? Yeah. Who rules the roost? You can figure out where I'm going with that title. You're going to be amazing. <clears throat> Let's ask the Lord truly tonight. I'm kidding with you, but I want, to, I want to give to you a lesson that I believe is for every one of us here. We need this bad and uh, need to see how this fits in our life. Lord, I pray that your word would truly unlock, would it be enlightening tonight. It would bring light to situations, to understanding in our own lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. And Lord, that there would be a wonderful, wonderful spirit of renewing and reviving in this place as we consider the word of God. And, and Lord, that you made a way possible for us. I pray that you bless tonight. For Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I suppose tonight if I asked you what was David's greatest sin, of course some would talk about, no doubt, the adultery with Bathsheba that he took a young lady who was already married and to take her, or possibly even worse, the fact that he, in doing so, killed her husband. And um, that would be horrendous. That is horrendous. Uh, it's certainly not something that we want to encourage anyone to have in your life. But if you allow me to say this for just a moment, though those two events only brought about four people dying. Now, I don't, I don't mean to belittle this, but in comparison to other things that David did, I want to talk to you about that tonight. Really, Uriah, the baby that was born, Amnon and also Absalom were the four that died due to David's disobedience and going following after his own lust and, and allowing himself to get into trouble. But there was a much greater sin if, if you want to weigh it on the cost. And sometimes we need to see that, that the cost how could I do this to my family? How could I do this to my, uh, my boss or, or my job? We sometimes have to start there and say, uh, uh, how, could I, how could I possibly allow myself to hurt and the whole works that are going on in my life? But David um, had a sin that was much greater, and we find it uh, in 1 Chronicles 21, 1 and 2. And Satan stood up against the Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go, number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number of them to me that I may know it. You know, you could say, what's the big deal? A king wanting to, you know, know how many warriors there are in his, in his realm. 
Uh, but the Bible goes on and says in verse 7 and 8 of that same chapter, And God was displeased with this thing. Therefore he smote Israel. And David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. But now I beseech thee, do away the iniquity of thy servants, for I have done very foolishly. And then jumping down to verses 14 through 19, just to save us time. And the Lord sent pestilence upon Israel, and there fell of Israel 70,000 men. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented him of the evil, and said to the angel that destroyed, It is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a sword drawn in his hand, stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil, done this evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on, my, on thy people, that they should be plagued. And the angel of the Lord commanded God to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusites. And David went up at the saying of Gad, of God, which he spake in the name of the Lord. So, <clears throat> David's sin of numbering Israel was of much greater consequence. I'm not saying any of them are okay. But we need to look at this tonight. Why would that get God's dander up so much? I mean, what, what made him so upset? that David, the king, would take and usurp his authority on his leadership and say, go and number Israel. And with Bathsheba, David said, I have sinned. But with this 70,000 dying, David said, I have sinned greatly. Even David came to an awareness that what he had done was something that he could only pray for mercy that God would stay the plague and keep all of Israel from being destroyed, all of Jerusalem. Tonight I want to talk to you about your will. Your will is always Satan's target. It's not putting you in bad positions or places. Eve was deceived in her mind. Job was, was attacked in his body. But Satan attacked David's will and won. Didn't he? David's mind wasn't deceived. 
His eyes were wide open. He knew what he was doing. It was his choice. He chose to do that, didn't he? Something about David's choice of doing this was based upon popularity, victory, success, any number of those and many more that would make David feel good about himself. It was a choice David made in order to promote himself. He didn't need to know how many were in Israel. Up until then, he would pray, and God, shall I pursue? And God would say, pursue. The Lord would tell him, wait until the, the breeze is blowing through the mulberry trees, and then attack. It was always a God thing that directed David's life to win victories. But now David was taking it upon himself, saying, I, this great kingdom, that I am the king over. The will is such a dangerous place in our lives. It is the place of choice. It is the place where we choose and make decisions in our life. Don't ever underestimate the importance of the Christian's will. For we live and succeed or fail miserably on those four letters. This isn't an intellectual religion. No, as many good Bible studies as hopefully you will say someday that you've heard. I hope. Uh, it wasn't the knowledge. It was what you did to adapt your spiritual life with that truth. Right? This doesn't just satisfy the mind, this religion that we're a part of. No, it changes a life, doesn't it? It isn't just an emotional religion, all based on feelings. Well, I feel like I'm going to worship God tonight. Well, good, I want you to worship God. But I've got to get you to the place where you begin to do it because your will says I'm going to, not because I feel like it. How many times have you chosen to go to church even when you didn't feel like it? I commend you. That's a good discipline in our lives when we choose to do things. God wants the whole inner man to be devoted to him tonight. But in order to do that, I have to have an intelligent mind. I have to have a fervent heart, a passion for God. And I have to have an obedient will. Because my will will always rise up I don't want to. You have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> right? We joke at that silly joke, but, but kind of it's true. See, the Bible says we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. That's our emotions. With all of our mind. That's our intellect. And with all of our strength. My strength is not my arm. My strength is my will. I will do it. That's a strong church. That's a mature group of people when we're operating it based on will, not on 
who I know or how many Pentecostal preachers I know or how many miracles I've seen or how many places I've been or blah, 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 blah. But as we are in, in a small community church here in Chelsea, I'm willing to say, I will. Friend, there's nothing more powerful than that in our community. A dedicated Christian tonight play, prays whether he feels like it or not. Would you agree with that? He obeys the word regardless of his own feelings. The Christian who lives on feelings is always up and down, a wave tossed in the sea. You've heard of the religious roller coaster. It's a real doozy. When you can't have a yay, that's your yay be yay, and your nay to be nay, you are in trouble in this Christian walk. Because there's plenty of things in the world that are alluring you and calling you to follow after them. So spiritual will is a picture of power in the scriptures. Consistent, consistent Christian lifestyle is the greatest thing we could ever uh, choose and adopt in our life is that we have a will that we're going to do this. We're going to get up. We're going to pray. We're going to have this habit. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to be in faithful to church. We're going to be involved. Those are decisions of the will. And that's where we become powerful in God. We could sit here and talk all night about how much I love the Lord. But we don't know what that means. We don't know if you're just saying you just made 10,000 extra today and you're just feeling good. Or does it mean that you feel like it's just a byword you could say around other Christians? I love the Lord. I've known some people like that. How about you? Pardon me while I retch. You see, your will is what will determine your character. Yeah. Your decisions mold your character. And if you don't decide to do something and have a will to do it, you'll never do it. They charter the course of your life, these decisions that you make because of your willpower, your will to obey God, your will to be obedient. Amen. The strong Christian doesn't blame circumstances or feelings. Strong Christian says, I'm going to make that happen. Now I understand we need the help of God. That's why we have a prayer life. That's why we have church and the preaching of the word. To save them that believes. You can't blame circumstances or feelings. You can't blame people either. Everything really boils down to directly to my will. Are you going to be there or not? Are you going to do it or not? Are you going to live for God or not? Don't shape God around your schedule. 
Don't shape God around your, your thinking. Don't shape God around your traditions. You see, we're saved through the process of I will. But we grow in the process of thy will be done. Does that make sense? So we start off, come on, Kevin, get yourself under control here. Come on, Kevin, submit to this. Quit looking for an exit. Quit looking for excuses. And every one of us, over and over and over again, have these things happen where we've got to finally buckle down. Get in or get out, as the saying goes. Many Christians, even today, have the wrong concept or idea about love. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a will. That's what we need to happen in a marriage. Jacob, when we get you married off, and we say, will you, Jacob, short, take the some sweet honey to be the, your lawfully wedded wife. And through, you know, good and bad, through health and sickness, through wealth and through poverty, through uh, riches and, and all those things that, that, that we would say in that, in that little traditional wedding ceremony. But when you say, I will, friend, you're saying something. You're saying, it doesn't matter her condition at the time. It doesn't matter if she's combed her hair or not today. If she still has on her bathrobe with her footy, you know, socks with Donald Duck on the top of them. And you want to say, take me to your leader. <laughs> but you have, to, you have to go back and say, wait a minute. I said I will. And so you get up even when she can lay around on that particular morning, not always, I'm not, I don't, that's not a derogatory statement to women. And, and you have to get up and, and go to work, and put in the hours. You got a house payment due and you got a, you know, you got a car payment and, and there's no way you can get out of it. The best thing to do is remember your word, your will is strong. That's your strength. I will. Amen. Christian love is really simple. We need to treat others the way that God treats us. If we could do that, we'd be deadly, wouldn't we? There's a difference between being uh, liking someone and loving them. And, and we could be friends with a lot of people. When you finally make a commitment where you say, I will, that's got to be far different. It can't be just looks. It can't be just that cute laugh. It's got to be that you are ready, to, that you're making a commitment of yourself. I told you this wasn't about marriage tonight. Here, here is Satan's original sin. Let's go to Isaiah 14, 12 through 14. Who rules the roost? I'm talking about your will tonight. Yeah. 
How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou, how art thou cut down to the ground, which didst wicked in the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be most like the most high. Boy, Satan was pretty aggressive there, wouldn't you think? His will had everything to do with everything that was contrary to obedience, didn't it? You see, Satan is the ruler of this world. We live in a rebellious society, a rebellious world, a rebellious nation. And, and they all have rebellious lifestyles that are so easy to adapt our lives to also. It's so easy to see what's going on in our world around us. And sometimes it's hard to remember that we are citizens of a place called heaven. And we only got there through our I will, our consecration to God. We're called to obey heavenly laws, not the sumptuous living of a world around us. We're called to submit our lives to the heavenly ruler, not the ruler of this world called Satan. You see, Satan wants us to worship him tonight. He wants us to serve him. In other words, he wants us to yield our will to him. What is his greatest weapon tonight in the church? It's pride. That's what happened to David. His pride got a hold of him. And he lost sight of what it really meant to obey the Lord. And he went off in a tangent in a different direction. And it cost Israel, it cost David greatly. David felt important when he was approached by Satan. Chronicles 20 tells of David's many victories. If we, 1 Chronicles 20, if we, if we read that, tells of many victories David had. He won many victories only to lose the war when he gave himself over to Satan's rule. David's adultery with Bathsheba was a sin of the flesh, but when he numbered Israel, it was a sin of the spirit, spiritual wickedness. He, he chose things that were based on his pride, not on obedience. So, 2 Corinthians 7 and 1 says, remember, wherefore come out from among them and be separate, touch not the unclean thing, I will receive you. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Then the very next verse. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It's going to take your will tonight to ever do that. Don't be judgmental tonight at the sin you see all around you. The Bible tells us not to judge another for the very same things may fall upon our life too. Those are my words, but if I took the time to read it properly, 
The prodigal son was guilty of fleshly sins, desires. Or his brother was guilty of spiritual sins. Proud, critical, unyielding. Why is it that so many, it's so easy to judge? And it's easier to judge flesh than it is spirit, isn't it? It's as though we can judge someone's dress or their attitude, the fleshly things, while we ourselves are neglecting spiritual things in our own life. Who's ruling the roost of your life? You see, you're going to have to submit to God for him to ever have his way in your life. Because ultimately, all of God's commandments boil down to your will. Your will. Matthew 4, 8, 9. And again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's what Satan was offering Jesus. Even Jesus had Satan tempt him in areas of pride, didn't he? It's coming. It's happened in your life probably before, and it's coming again. You're going to... You're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to be in positions where you're doing good. Your ducks are all in a row for once in a long time. Things are happening and happening. And uh, you're going to have to realize, Lord Jesus, let me be submitted to you in prayer. Let me be humble today, lest I let a spirit of pride get a hold of me. Because I could do it in a moment. That's why the Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We, we need to have these habits in our life where we are giving of ourselves instead of taking other men's things to make ourselves look more powerful or stronger. The more blessed you are in life, the more you will have to battle pride. Still thank God for the good and the bad. I'm convinced the Lord allows those things in our life to help us, keep us balanced, right? I'm coming to a close. Y'all doing okay? Am I killing you? Pride always glorifies man and always at the same time robs God. That's what pride does. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, you may, uh, that, that he may exalt you in due time. So let me bring this around to a close. It's funny because seemingly the same thing happened in Moses' life. In Exodus 30 and 12, 
And when thou takest, God is telling Moses to count and number Israel. He said, and when thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul to the Lord. And when thou numberest them, that there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. You see, when David numbered Israel, it was for his glory. When Moses numbered Israel, it was for God's glory. That's why you have two times in Scripture Israel being numbered. One was blessed and the other was cursed. So 1 Timothy 3, 6, not a novice lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Third John 9, I wrote unto the church, but Ditrephus, who loved to have the preeminence among them, uh, receiveth us not. Here was a man who, who was not in this for the kingdom of God, but it was so that he could receive his own glory. Pride actually can be taken and become greater than a person's value and worth of the word of God. We find this in 1 Timothy 6, 3-5. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. Knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Satan desires the work right here in Chelsea in this church. If he could op get us to operate based on pride, oh, I work hard for this church, look at me. losing sight of God's will and his will, then we would be falling our, into a terrible place of possible judgment with God. If you can get a pastor proud of his preaching, a Sunday school teacher proud of their numbers in Sunday school, a leader in the church proud of their position, Satan will take control through pride. And though we may have the Holy Ghost, and though we may be able to talk about our redemptive story, we are on the outs and have lost sight and touch of all that God wants to do. And confusion is always the end result of pride. Because the church isn't blessed, the people aren't encouraged. And we've shot ourselves in the foot instead of being able to come forth with victory. So I didn't say this tonight to beat up anybody. I hope you don't feel like I am. I want you to see how important, how that pride is such a key component of Satan's workings in the church. It really is possible for us to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And so... Lord, help us tonight to be a church that blends and binds together 
that works, that we have a cause, that we have a purpose, and that we are trying to make it the very best it can be. Amen. And God will be praised and blessed. Would you stand with me? As long as you have a will, it can be good or it can be bad. And tonight, God said, it's in the church's hands to choose what they will do with their will. And so tonight, Lord, let me learn. Let me, let me exercise my faith by being that humble man, working diligently for the kingdom, loving my brothers and sisters, and being the very vessel God wants me to be. And Lord, please protect me from myself. Protect me from my pride. Protect me from things that make me something that I'm nothing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.